I believe in honor, and I believe honoring who we should honor as much and as often as we can. Um, I want to honor Pastor Brett and Pastor Cynthia. Um, They are our spiritual fathers and mothers to me and Sarah, so I want to honor them. Would you join me in honoring them? Love you guys so much. Thank you. And speaking of honor, we get to sit down with them sometimes and we get to be mentored. We love them. I, I respect Pastor Brett. Pastor Cynthia is always like, she's like a mom. I could say anything to her and she'll still be like, oh, I love you. I killed someone. Oh, I love you anyway. So she, she's awesome. <laughs> Pastor Brett will do the same, but there's still kind of like a healthy fear in me <laughs> whenever I talk to him because he's like the dad. So I got to sit down with Sarah and me in front of them once in his office. And he paused and he looked at Sarah. And, and I'm sitting right next to her. And I'm listening to this conversation. He goes, Sarah, how is June treating you? I'm right there. June is right there. And he's, I'm, in a, I'm in fear of him. So this is, she better answer well. And she just goes, that's not enough. And I, I know what she's doing. I mean, I'm doing so well as a husband. She doesn't want to be boastful. So she wants to be humble and kind of express the positivity in a humility kind of way. Like, uh-huh. I know, that, I know what she's doing. And then, and, then she, and then he goes, he asks the second time, right? He goes, what can June do better? Jared, you've been there. Brother, you know my heart. And she said nothing. <laughs> Glory to Jesus. It was a good day. <laughs> all that to say, all that to say, we're talking about the church, the bride of Christ. All of us will have to stand before the Father, and he will ask us someday, hey, how did you, try, how did you treat my bride? How, how did you treat, how, how would you answer that question right now, Church. I submit to you that we got to talk about purity and consecration, holiness. Because that's what the father wants for the daughter and the bride, his church. So I want to talk about consecration tonight. Can we read from Joshua 3, 5? It's one verse, Joshua 3, 5. Then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. Can I pray one more time? Father, we lift up this time to you. We glorify you. We honor you. We love you, Lord. And I pray that it won't be the wisdom of men, but the demonstration of the power of the Spirit in this room as we share your word, Lord. That's what we want. We don't want good sayings and wisdom and knowledge to last, but we want your Spirit to last as we leave this place tonight. It is in your name we pray. Amen. So Joshua 3 is actually the first leadership moment for Joshua. He's a noob. He's just getting started as a leader. And for 40 years, the whole people, a million plus people, have been wandering the desert, and and finally they're standing right in front of the promised land. But there's an issue. The Jordan River, they have to cross it. You know, all of us encounter Jordan River 
something that is impossible of us. And God is saying, ah, you will cross it. And we're like, God, how? (laughs) How? You know, verse 15 on this passage says this, that it was a season of harvest. And in that season, the Jordan overflows all its banks. What they're talking about is the month of March to May, where it was the flooding season. And the Jordan River, usually it wouldn't be so hard to cross for people. But in this season, between March to May, the water would overflow and it would almost be impossible, especially if if you have little children, expecting mothers and elderly people. Now, I know know we got to pray for the hurricane. You know this. And, And when this season comes, you and I know have the same heart. You're praying for your children who are far away. I'm glad a few of our students are already back. Their school said, you know what? We're not going to take the risk. Go home. Go home. And we have that, have that heart. What about our children? You know, between 2003 and 2012, Virginia had 52 power outages. Fifth in rank. Very high. Not a good thing. Power outage. Happens often. And you know what that feels like sometimes, you know? Too much snow, too much rain. And, and you kind of worry about your mom. How is she gonna? How is she doing? You worry about your children. If your wife is expecting, or if you yourself is expecting, you're worried. Now multiply that by many times. Here's a million people with expecting mothers, elderly people, and children, and goats and sheep, because that was the finest back then, right? That was your piggy bank. So imagine carrying all that and the gushing waters of Jordan is flowing down because it's the springtime. There's a lot of water and, and, and Joshua is there for the first time, first leadership moment. Lord, what do I do? He's standing in front of the impossible. First read, one reads like this. This is what Joshua does. This is what he learned from Moses. Then Joshua rose early in the morning. Six o'clock tomorrow morning, we're praying. Come out, quick plug in. Rose early in the morning. I hope you got that. Rose early in the morning, and they set out to Shittim, and they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And end of the three days, they paused. Hear me, church. Before the impossible you pause. Joshua paused for three days. What are we doing for three days, church? We're fasting. We're waiting on the Lord. Before the impossible, we don't move quicker. We don't move faster. We don't have better strategy, but we pause. We fast. We ask God, God, what do I do? How do I solve this thing? What do I do? We are stuck There's a million people here. I'm supposed to lead these people. Lord, what do I do? That's what you and I are doing right now in this time of fast. And don't we pray that prayer all the time as well? Joshua was probably praying for the three days, just like Moses did. Lord, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And you and I ask the same question in this fast. Lord, what do I do about my family? It's falling apart. My marriage seems hopeless. What do I do? Pastor Brett is asking tough questions to my wife. What do I do? My marriage is fine. It's just, I'm just saying that's a tough question. <laughs> Health issues. Your, your mother is, you know, we just found out that she has cancer. What, what do you do? Lord, what do I do about this? Your children, your son is moving away from the Lord, leaving the church. Lord, what do I do? Singles. Lord, oh, Lord, help us from this desert wilderness of singleness. And help me to cross Jordan and walk the aisle and enter the promised land. You think that is the promised land. Wait till you get there. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Glory to Jesus. God is good. 
We pray for the city and say, Lord, what do we do about this city? We pray for the nations. Lord, what do we do for our nations? We pray for our every nation world. Lord, what do we do about this? What's the solution? We look at the world, the nations, and go, Lord, what do we do? And Lord speaks to Joshua and read verse 5. This is what, how the Lord answers. As we pray for these things, he says this, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Consecrate yourselves. This is what God is saying. Miracles, that's up to me. Is that up to you? You know what you do? You know what your job is? Make yourself holy. Consecrate yourselves. Miracle is my responsibility. Your son is my responsibility. That cancer is my responsibility. Your marriage, I got this. It's you. Stop blaming other people. Stop blaming your spouse. Stop blaming your son. You consecrate yourself. If you're writing notes, please take, take this, write this down. Consecration is the vessel for miracles. Consecration is the vessel for miracles. God do not have to give them miracle, but the vessel that we can prepare is consecration. You and I are praying, Lord, we need a miracle in this church. You and I are praying, Lord, we need a miracle in our country. You and I are praying, Lord, we need a miracle in our family. Lord, we need a miracle in our, in our marriage, in our children, everywhere. And God is saying, here's an answer for you. Consecrate yourselves. A lot of you have been praying, Lord, how, what do I do? There's a Jordan River right in front of me. How do I lead these people? What happens? How do I cross this as people? The Lord is saying, consecrate yourself. There's an answer for all of us. You know, in 1800s, doctors would use a method called bloodletting. It is, as it sounds, where you, you take a patient and you let them bleed, thinking that that would heal. So one of the signs of the doctors would be bloody hands. Bloody hands, literally. So a doctor would treat one patient and the blood will be in his hands. He would not wash it or clean it, go to the next patient and take care of them too. He would not clean it, go to the next patient. He would not clean it, go to the next patient. In hindsight, we're going like, that is wrong. <laughs> I make sure my son sanitizes his hands all the time whenever he comes back home, play, and you should, but back then they didn't have an idea. And, and then in 1847, a doctor called Zemmelbeis asked this question. You know, I deliver a lot of babies. This is a funny thing. You know, their mothers who are delivering, delivering babies at hospital, they have a higher mortality rate than those mothers who deliver babies at home. So he did the research, found out that mothers who are deli delivering babies at hospital with the doctors and the nurses were 10 times more likely to experience death. Death 10 times more likely. And then he yelled out, doctors, wash your hands. Doctors, simply wash your hands before you deliver that baby, before you take care of that mom. Please wash your hands. And a Lister, doctor called Lister in 1865, started using that method because no one else was for 20 years. You know when doctors do not wash their hands and started treating people that could harm or kill that patient? We know that. Can I submit to you, church, that if you and I don't wash our spiritual hands, and start ministering to the world, we're not helping, but we're killing. We're infecting. 
Leaders, please listen up. We think if we meet more people, if we care for more people, if we lead more people, if we do more things, that will be better for the kingdom of God. But maybe because sometimes we have not consecrated ourselves and we don't have the purity in us, maybe we're infecting people and people are dying more because we're doing more ministry. If Christ would look at the church, you would go, church, I love you, but would you wash your hands? Would you please wash your hands? Touch your neighbor and say, wash your hands. Come on, touch your other neighbor and say, wash your hands. Consecration church is the vessel for miracles. Do you want miracles in your family? Do you want miracles at your church, in your nation, in your city? Can we consecrate ourselves? Second Timothy 2, 20 to 21 reads like this, and most of you know this first by heart. Now, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, and some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. It's not the gold or the silver or the clay. It's not what it looks like. It's not how honorable it looks like on the outside. It's the cleanliness that the Lord is looking for. What if I challenge you, church, as we come together as two or more churches or congregations and say, hey, what if Grace Covenant becomes the holiest, cleanest vessel for the kingdom of God in this church, in this city, in this nation, and see what God does, and see what God does? Parents, when you pray for your children, what if you and I stop asking for them to be the gold vessel for this nation or the silver, na- silver vessel for this nation, but to say, Lord, I don't care what they become. Let them become as you will. But one thing that I ask of you for my children, for our next generation, it will be that they'll be the cleanest vessel in this generation. That they'll be the cleanest vessel in this generation. And watch God pour out miracles through them as they stretched out their clean hands and start touching people. Resurrection's happening physically and spiritually. We're expectant of that. Consecration is the vessel for miracles. I want to give you two applications, and I want to actually have more time to pray today, so I'm going to ask Darian or someone to just come up and start playing piano because we wanted to actually practice this and just learn it. To application number one, what do we do? We got to go back to Christ. Towards Christ and repentance. Because what is the biggest Jordan River that was impossible to cross? Wasn't it death? Wasn't it sin? And who else spent three days and rose, took us on his back, and let us cross Jordan River? Jesus Christ himself. We got to go back to Christ and say, God... Jesus, I, I, I lean on you. And if you don't know Christ in this room, he died for you to consecrate you so the greatest miracle of eternal life could be bestowed upon your life. So receive as Lord and Savior. 
Second application, simply this, repentance. Repentance. You know, we think a lot of times the more we get to know God the Father, we get to know more about him, but that's so not true. Read Romans, read Ephesians, study it. The more we get to know the Father, the more and more we get to know them, know him, we realize that we're more of a sinner because he's so holy. Now, I'll say that again. Church, as you get to know God the Father more and more and get to know how holy and holy and holy he is, we get to realize what kind of sinner and sinner and sinner we are. So as we grow in Christ, our repentance should be growing. If you have stopped repenting, why don't you start tonight? Consecrate yourselves and see what the Lord does. Would you close your eyes? Let's take some time to pray. I want to ask you, what, what is it that you and I need to repent? It's all going to be different. And here we are asking for miracles. God, move. Do something awesome and amazing. Why don't we start by repenting, consecrating ourselves. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. Let's take a couple of minutes just to pray. As we go through this fast, consecrating ourselves before the Lord. If there's anyone in this room who don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he's the son of God that came and walked on the earth for you and your sin and my sin and died for you and me. And make sure, making sure that our sins would be forgiven, that we would be consecrated and cleansed for that eternal life. And he rose in three days. And he said, whoever would receive me as Lord and Savior, I will give him eternal life. If you don't know him as Lord and Savior, and if you want to consecrate yourself, this evening is a great opportunity to do that. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Great, let me pray. Father, we bless this church. We want to consecrate ourselves for your kingdom come. Lord, we are expecting miracles. You prophesied miracles and miracles over us, healings over us. We receive that. Let your will be done. Let your kingdom come. We want to do our part. We want to do our part, Lord Jesus, and consecrate ourselves. 
We're expecting to see what you will do, what wonders and miracles you will do as we go to you with consecration. It is in your name we pray. Amen.